welcome to the Minute 66 podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by French football expert Jeremy Magan to discuss French domestic football. We talk in depth about PSG, the changes for the new season and Qatar's vision for the club. We also look at the wave of new investment in French football and ask the question, can Liga develop into a rival for the English Premier League? Right, Jeremy, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Richard. Thank you. So we're um, we're going to talk about the French leagues a little bit today, um, and probably the only place you can really start is with PSG. Has uh, to be, isn't it? Yes, um, and it's almost difficult to know where to start with PSG because it's just the new cycle around that club is so crazy. There's always a new story every week. So I mean, I guess at the minute it's. It looks like it's all changed. It's Leonardo's gone. Uh, they brought in Luis Campos. And Pochettino, we believe any day now, is going to be gone. Yeah, and then sure. depending what you're listening to, it's Zidane coming in maybe. Or... So what do we think about these changes? Who do we think is going to be the new manager? And do we think these are positive changes for PSG? They're positive changes. I think the, you know, at- Every every pundit that said it, and and I'm not going to to say otherwise, it was probably the worst season of Paris Saint Germain um, under the the Qatari era. They won the league and they won it comfortably, but they won it comfortably only on paper because every game was a struggle. Uh, it was probably the worst football that Paris Saint Germain has offered um, since Qatar the Qatari took over. Uh, and so Pochettino, of course, had had a world of trouble. Uh, well, even even trying to keep his job because everybody was complaining about what was offered on the pitch. The changes that are that are now, um, I think, you know, it's a very important year for for Paris Saint Germain and for Qatar because the World Cup is in Qatar at the end of the season. Uh, and when the the country bought the club, uh, it was always knowing that in ten years there's the World Cup at home and we have to be in the best of shape. When that happened, they weren't very happy that they missed the opportunity of winning the Champions League the year of the World Cup because that was definitely the goal, you know, bringing Messi in, players like Sergio Ramos and, and you know, Hakimi, Donnarumma and all those stars that we always keep talking about. Uh, so, so it needed to have changes. They did, you know, some something of a small miracle being able to uh, keep Mbappe despite the interest of Real Madrid and, and Mbappe himself said that he really wanted to go to Real Madrid because he was his dream club. Uh, and it became a, a political story where the president of France, Macron, called Mbappé, where uh, he talked to the former president, Sarkozy. So it became a, a big, big story. But, but they made to, to, to keep him, which is no small feat. Uh, but obviously, to be able to keep Mbappé, um, where it is, they had to basically uh, make some promises. And one of them was uh, a better coach and a better sporting director. So uh, out with the old, Leonardo, um, without any without any official communication, without any press release. Uh, he's just not the sport director anymore. Uh, and then Luis Campos came in as a bit of a weird title. He's not the sporting director. He's an advisor to the president of Paris Saint-Germain, so to Nasser El Haifi. And so it goes both ways, right? When you're just the advisor, you're not the one who's going to choose the coach or what's going on in the club. You're going to be the one who's going to tell El Haifi that's what you should be doing, uh, and then El Khalafi will do whatever he wants to do. Uh, and I think that's probably 
the what happened with the coach right now. Zidane is first choice. Paris Saint-Germain wants Zidane. Zidane has had a relationship with Qatar for years on now. Uh, and I think if Zidane didn't think that he was six months away from potentially be the French manager, he would go to Paris, no doubt, mm. despite you know the fact that he's a Marseille-born kid and, and, and all those issues that could arise if he does uh, sign with Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, I think he would go in a heartbeat. Uh, the fact that he might get the French job and, and maybe the Marseille narrative as well um, makes it a bit hesitant, but a lot of, yeah, a lot of experts in France are saying that it's pretty much a done deal and you're waiting for the end of the month of June uh, because of a contract thing with Pochettino. Uh, and then at that time, they'll be able to sign a new coach and that Zidane should be it. If Zidane isn't the coach, I don't know which coach can come into this locker room with this kind of player and have the right aura, the right tactical ability and the right technical ability to lead this team to success. Zidane is the perfect fit. Besides him, it's a Conte or a Mourinho or coaches that are not on the market right now. Uh, and, and, you know, there's chats about Galce maybe taking over, but Galce isn't a Champions League winning coach. He's a Ligue 1 winning coach with a team that was, um, that were under overachiever. Um, he's not, we haven't seen him dealing with superstars and, and being able to, to do that the right way. So I, I think it'd be a weird downgrade if it's Galce. If it's Zidane, he'll, he'll keep doing what they're doing right now, which is keeping their stars, bringing fresh blood and bringing qualified fresh blood. Um, so if Zidane comes in, it's all positive. If it's not Zidane, they're going to have to uh, work out to find a coach that's, that has at least the same aura as, as Zidane would have. It's, it seems like it's been a strange thing with PSG in recent years, with the managers, because they seem to have been hiring team-building managers who come in and have a slight... Pochettino is a great example of... He takes a good, young, hungry team and he develops a style of play. Um, Tuchel's very much the same. And it was kind of weird because obviously that's not... From a sporting director and a management standpoint, that is not what PSG are interested in. They want the Real Madrid model. They want Galacticos. They want an experienced winning manager who can get them all into a basic shape and get them playing, which would be Zidane. Yeah, exactly. Do you think Campos is going to get the freedom? Because I know of what you're saying, it sounds like he's coming in with diminished responsibilities to what Leonardo had. Because obviously Campos is one of these guys, he's, he finds bargains in the market and he finds young players that nobody's heard of before. So do we think the fact that he's not the sporting director implies that the project is just going to carry on as it has been, buying the superstars? I think you're, you're spot on with what you said. I think bringing Campos is the same thing as bringing... Tuchel and Pochettino and Emery, they're people that build a project. Paris Saint-Germain doesn't want a project. They want to win now. Yeah. Uh, so so, so it's, it's either of two things, right? It's either they know that by building Campos, they're making Mbappé happy because Mbappé had a relationship with Campos back in Monaco uh, and, and Campos has a good relationship with Antero Enrique, who used to be the sporting director in Paris. And he's somebody, someone somewhat involved again with Paris Saint-Germain right now. Um, and, and he has, you know, obviously he has a very, very broad network. So he can basically bring any player in Paris Saint-Germain if he wants to. That's one part of it. Another part of it is it's, it's kind of the end of their sport washing marketing period with the World Cup happening at the end of the year. Uh, and so they kind of have to 
think about you know what do we do next and and how do we actually make this club sustainable Paris Saint-Germain is not sustainable right now you spend 200 million every single year and you get zero they run people out of contract and they pay them to live they don't really sell them uh, so they need to make it sustainable they got rid of their reserve team a, a few years back so players go to 19 years old to play against with the inter 19 and then there's either they play with the first team but they don't get a chance in the first grade or they go away and, and the example of superstars right now that we are in use is Paris Saint-Germain and just keep going every time you have a new French squad. Um, so, so I think there's probably a little bit of that afterthought of, hang on, we need to stop buying players just because they had a good season, like Julian Draxler or Tilo Kerrer or those kind of players. Mm. And we need to have somebody like Campos who knows what he's doing, who gets the right players in, who looks at the academy and who starts building an identity in Paris Saint-Germain. You hope that that's what they're doing because they're already eight years late in that project. It's time that they build that entity in Paris Saint-Germain, and that's the best way to keep the team winning year after year. Because if they win this year, Messi is going to uh, to the MLS. Um, Mbappé, you might have him for another year after that, and then he's probably going to leave 400 million or something like this. Uh, Neymar is at the end of it. Marquinhos is going to be 30 at the end of the next year. Um, so it's going to be a bit of an end of an era, and he's the kind of guy who can rebuild something quick enough for Paris Saint-Germain with the means that Paris Saint-Germain, of, of, of course, has, and has the mentality to be able to say, this is how it is and not another way. When they get Zidane, is Campos going to be happy? I don't know. Hmm. Is it a source of embarrassment at PSG, all these wonderful young players that they produce that then leave at 16, 17, 18, 19, and then inevitably seem to keep coming back and haunting them? Because you've the got fans? the Umans and the, the Unkunkus and the Rabiers and all these guys who are out there that they're playing for France, they're starring in major European leagues. So it's not like PSG don't have this academy. They've got really probably one of the better academies out there in terms of the quality of players that are coming out. It's just no one gets a chance. I saw Kimpembe the other day was sort of saying that he feels like he's starting to get nudged towards the exit door because he's not glamorous enough. And it's, it's odd. Is there, do the French media hold them accountable for this? Do they say you could have a core of brilliant French players and identity, but it's this now, now, now attitude? There, there is a bit of embarrassment. Um, I think especially from the fans, I mean, you know, Paris Saint-Germain is, is said to be a, a plastic club and mm. some fans just woke up five years ago when Neymar signed, etc. But there are real fans that have followed the club for decades. And, and for those guys, uh, it, it is a shame. All those players that have started at Paris Saint-Germain that have been um, so, so successful in youth team that have represented friends in youth teams as well because the Academy of Paris is so good uh, but don't get a chance because supposedly they're not good enough and then as soon as they go somewhere else they become superstars and then they are valued at millions mm -hmm. but, but like you said it's it's not their policy and, and to be honest I, I think um, I think the people in Qatar just just don't care um, that they're, they're not here for the identity of Paris Saint-Germain they're here for um, the, the brand Paris and what the brand of that city can bring to their country and to their club and how many players can come because of the brand and if you start playing the young players then I think that in their opinion you're creating a problem within yourself like if you had kept 
uh, and then Kuku, excuse me, or Jabi, and he had gone up the ranks, then you never get Messi. Um, so, so I think it's it's a hindrance for them because those ones aren't stars, uh, and they have their they have their story with Mbappe, who's born kilometers away from where the stadium is built, uh, and I think that's enough for them. Kimpembe, you know, I heard what Kimpembe said. Uh, well, I mean, maybe if you perform well, they are going to keep you, um, and he hasn't performed really well this season. Uh, so there's probably a bit of that as well. You can feel the boot if you're not um, a very good defender in a team that wants to play. Uh, that wants to win the Champions League. Um, but yeah, it, it's they are being told that, I mean, like I said, they get rid of their reserve team. They are the only team in Liga who doesn't have a reserve squad. Um, and so when that happened, there was a bit of, uh, you know, oh, what are you guys doing? It's not the identity of the club, da, 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 da. but then but they, they don't care. So you, there's nothing to hold them accountable about. Um, they do really well in their young teams. Um, besides that, it's all about the first team. Like, I mean, even their women's team, they put so much money on it and they're not able to uh, to sustain it and, and to do it the right way. So I think it's uh, the policy isn't sustainable and hopefully it's changing from now on. I will say. <laughs> um, so obviously the summer's only just starting, so we've yet to see really what the other clubs are going to do. But is there much optimism about anyone challenging PSG next year? Are Marseille going to kick on? Are Lyon going to reemerge? A Nice and Rennes or Monaco? What do we think? I'd, I'd say Monaco and Lyon are probably the best suited to be able to actually rival Paris Saint-Germain. I'd say Monaco mainly because Philippe Clément has now settled in Monaco. I mean, he finished the season on nine wins in a row and then a draw. Uh, just misses out on the Champions League straight away for a goal at the umpteen minute. Um, they, they are going to get to the playoff and hopefully they can go through. Uh, but they have, they also have almost as, as much as Paris Saint-Germain unlimited means and they don't pay any taxes um, so they can bring any player they want uh, and it's an attractive um, city to, to be in. Uh, and, and they've done it not too long ago. In 2017, they win the league ahead of Paris Saint-Germain and they have the squad for it and the talent for it. Uh, so I think Monaco can do it. Lyon, with the, the narrative right now, or, or bringing back all the old boys, Lacazette is coming back, Tolisso is maybe coming back. Uh, they're keeping their youth to, to develop them. Uh, Peter Both is a coach that I think we haven't seen yet what he can do. And this season is going to have um, much more of a say in how the team is playing. Uh, so, so Lyon could get there. Marseille, uh, I, you know, we, we've, I've told you offline, I am a Marseille fan. I'm, I'm born down there when back when Marseille yeah, was, was one of the best teams in, uh, in the world. Mm. It's, uh, it's such a such a volatile environment. I mean, in the middle of this season where we are winning everything, uh, the fans were complaining that they didn't like the football that Sampoli was playing and we were asking for Sampoli to be um, to be fired when the guy was bringing us to a semi-final of, of an European Cup, even if it's the, the, the smallest of the European Cups, mm. uh, and who was keeping us in the, in the top three for the whole of the season. So it's a very volatile environment. They're going to play Champions League. They don't want to look ridiculous in Champions League, so they're going to look, lose a lot of energy in there. Sam Paoli is not a coach that is known to have two successful seasons, uh, and Marseille is not a public that is known to, to leave the coach the ability to lose three games and still keep his job. Um, so I think it's going to be a, an interesting season for, for Marseille. Uh, but as far as real contenders that can stick it to Paris Saint-Germain and that can be there year long, I think if besides Monaco and, and Lyon, uh, there's not a lot. What 
out of curiosity with Marseille, because I'd not heard, because when I saw that they'd appointed Sam Fowley, I thought he's a perfect manager for Marseille, because he's a bit crazy, he plays passionate, aggressive football, he likes his teams running. What aspects of the football was it that Marseille fans didn't like? Was it just a little bit too workmanlike? Was there not enough flash and creativity? Or Because I know Marseille are known for... They're a bit like Manchester United. They're kind of known for... Because it's a working-class city, so they want mm-hmm. the work ethic, but they also want the superstars that get people excited. Was that the issue? Was there just not enough creativity? Yeah, I think, you know, he, he was sold as... Bielsa and, and Bielsa and Marseille had a love story that lasted a year, but that was quite intense, mm. um, even though he didn't have as, as nearly as good results as Sampaoli did. Uh, and so the first few games, it's 4-3 and 3-2 and 2-0 and all the emotions. Uh, and, and then Sampaoli, and he said it himself, he's the kind of coach that will not die with his ideas. He's going to adapt and he's going to change and he's going to find the way to win. And the way to win in France is to keep the ball and to play position football. Like at the best of times, Sampaoli was doing what Guardiola does with Manchester City. 70% possession, the centre-backs playing the football in the other side of the, the park, really able to keep the ball for, for a long period of times. I mean, you have a guy like Saliba who has 95% pass accuracy and, and the player who brings the ball forward the most in the whole league. Uh, but offensively, it was a struggle. I mean, Dimitri Payet was the star and Dimitri Payet is not 20 anymore. Everybody thought that he was done after last year. He came back because we know that Sampaoli is very good at protecting his number 10, his playmaker, and that's putting his playmaker into the the best situation to try and and produce um, spectacular actions. And that's what he did with Payet. But once you play with Payet, you play with one less player defensively. So Sampaoli built the team around to make sure that they keep the ball, the the longest possible so they don't have to defend too much and it became boring because it became um, like a handball game where all they do is going around the box and never going into the box and you have a guy like Milik who could play up front who's one of the best strikers in the world supposedly but you don't use him uh, and when you use him you don't use him well there's no crosses Uh, and so Marseille fans just like I said are very um they're very demanding and, and quite uh, volatile. And so they just lost patience and they said, you know, it's great that you got some go- some games and that we got some goals. Uh, but if all we're going to do is keep the ball and not play offensively and not get into the final third, then we're not interested. And so they started complaining. Uh, but interestingly enough, Sam Paoli and, and the president, it has to be said, is doing a, a pretty fantastic job, Pablo Longoria, uh, went to meet the fans every time there was an issue and went to actually have conversations with the fans about what they think is wrong, you know, just to get feedback and to listen. And, and Sampaoli somewhat acted on that feedback, which is both madness and, and smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tried to incorporate players that the fans said, why isn't, why isn't he playing? Maybe to prove them wrong, maybe to just uh, bring some fresh legs. Uh, but, but eventually it worked because, because he did the job, because he qualified Marseille for the Champions League. I think if he wants to keep his job next year, short of winning every single game 4-0 or 4-1, it's going to be complicated because every time he's not going to win or every time he's going to to draw or or a bit of a bad performance, they're going to be on on him. I I think the last thing and what really frustrated the fans is Marseille is a a team that is known for being strong, very strong at home because there are 60,000 
fans and those 60,000 fans are helping the team winning. But this year, Marseille dropped 25 points at home um, and they were the best team away from home. And that's something that just doesn't sit well with the Marseille fan who wants to see himself as the 12th man and not as a hindrance for his team. And this year, it felt that way. There's um, there's a lot of new money in France recently with Nice and Rennes, uh, Manchester City Group have now got a club in Liga. Has there been any signs of yet that these clubs are going to kick on and start spending more money and being more aggressive in the market, keeping players, or are they... Or is that not on the cards, do we think? I think there's a bit of both. Uh, Ren, of course, the owner, Pinot, he's the, I think he's the richest man in France. Mm. Uh, and he started spending money a, a little bit, but he's spending, uh, I guess, Luis Campos money. He's buying 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and he's trying to see how much he can sell them after. I mean, he's going to sell Aguirre to West Ham. He's going to make a bit of money on there. Uh, he sold, of course, Eduard Mendy to Chelsea. He made a bit of money on that as well. Um, so I think he's, he's seeing it as an investment where he can make money because he is um, a, a businessman. The other example, um, Nice, it's Ineos. Um, of course, Paris, we know. And then there's a few, uh, Trois, you mentioned it. And there's a few other clubs that are being bought even in second and third division uh, by money as well. I, I think it's, it's a bit of the Paris project that is bringing this money and and this um is is the perfect example i mean radcliffe and, and ineos has a lot of money and there's a story of success they're successful in in sickly in um, um bike bicycle sorry uh they are successful um in their sailing they are successful in almost every sport that they've touched and so they want to be successful in football of course all this pretty story about them trying to make this um a great team uh, kind of went down the flush when they said that I wanted to buy Chelsea and that didn't go well uh, with, with the Nice fan down there. But now they're not getting Chelsea. They only have Nice. Uh, and so they have to, to focus on it. They, same thing, they did spend money. Um, you know, the, the, the son of Kluivert is in there and they got a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, Netherlands talent with Stengs, with Rosario. Um, it, it hasn't paid off yet. Um, it probably is going to pay off if they can find stability and, and unfortunately with Gatchet the story right now isn't about stability uh, but I think the, the point is to try and catch up to Paris Saint-Germain slowly but surely and now even more that Paris managed to keep Mbappé there's a bit of a narrative that Ligue 1 could be better than Liga could be better than Serie A and is just waiting for two or three teams to be consistently good at European level I think those owners are in there waiting for Another, another player who's, who's good enough to say, you know what, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to go to Nice. So, so I think they're every single transfer market, they're trying to find the one-star player that can come in. Marseille getting Milik was a bit of a story. Getting Saliba was a bit of a story. Getting Gerson, who was the best midfielder in Brazil last season, was a bit of the story. Monaco being able to bring those talents as well. Lyon bringing Paqueta. They're all trying to thread lightly they have to keep the result, of course, to be able to do it. Uh, but, but I think we're going to, to keep seeing that because, frankly, um, owning a club is not necessarily a, a sustainable business. Um, so you have to have quite a bit of money behind. And the only people that can buy money are, are billionaires. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll see. As far as the Manchester City group and, and Trois, I think it's a different project. I think it's just a way to have a foot in France and yeah. to be able to loan their players into another kind of league. Like if they loan them to the championship, it's all physical. 
if you're name in Ligue 1, there's a bit more technique involved. Um, and also being able to grab the best of the French youth, um, I guess, early on. Yeah. So is there a feeling in France that this is something that is building? Because I said, as I said to you, I was looking at it and I'm like, there is a lot of clubs in France now that do have very, very wealthy owners now. Um, and obviously it's what, the fourth or fifth biggest economy in the world, France. So there's money in that country. That, so the league could be stronger and more sustainable. Is the key for it now, is it TV deals? Is it overseas deals making the league more attractive? I think the, the overseas deal is a, is actually a, a bit of a big story. Um, they signed in 2018 or 2019. No, before that, 2016, sorry. With Bean Sports, which is Qatar. Mm. Uh, and they signed until 2024. So a lot of those international rights have been sold. I mean, if right now you would sell the international rights of Liga when you have Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, it'd be a different price than what it was back in 2016. So, so there's a little bit of that. Um, there's a bit of um, the new media and, and, and the, the other ways to make money, I guess, um, th that comes in there. They did get um, a, a good a good amount of money from um, CVC, the, the same people who, who put uh, quite a bit of money in Spain regarding uh, players' image, etc. So like Paris Saint-Germain, I think is going to get 60 million. Marseille is going to get 40 million. Um, a lot of clubs are going to get a decent amount of money that's going to actually help them, uh, well, survive the, the post-COVID era. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's definitely a thing. Uh, I mean, the, um, the former... Uh, Liverpool owners, um, Gillette, are, are going to take over Lyon uh, in, in the summer. They are going to, I think they are going to buy 51% of the share because Pate, who was uh, the owner until um, a few days ago, decided mm -hmm. to not renew their license. So Olas is going to still be the president, but yeah. Gillette are going to be the new owners of it. So people are coming to put money. Like you said, it, it's, a, it's an interesting market for them. Um, it's still seen, I think, as the market where you can get a young player and sell him expensive and make money from it. Yeah. Um, but that narrative, like I said, they're trying to shift it. People are finally eight, 10 years on now buying to the fact that Paris Saint-Germain will stay under the Qatari flag and will try to compete for Champions League. And the other clubs are kind of trying to help them getting there now. Um, so, so, so people are being smart. I mean, there's been, there's been chat for four years now about, um, Saudi Arabia trying to buy a club in France to try and um, rival um, Paris Saint-Germain. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but right next to Paris Saint-Germain, there's a small club called Paris FC, which is owned by Bahrain. Uh, there's a club called Red Star in third division, which is owned by uh, 777, who own um, other clubs uh, both in Europe uh, and I think overseas. Um, so the money is definitely coming in, and, and I think the, the business people are seeing that there's a lot of money to make in French football, uh, and that the image is, of course, glamorous. Um, so they're, they're, they're really going for it. It's good. It's going to be exciting. It's um, the Premier League at the moment. It really does. It needs some competition. It's um, just in terms of the economics, it's because it's becoming so one-sided. It's like some of the players you're seeing go into sort of smaller teams in England now. It's just it's, it's a bit crazy at the minute. It's the Super League, the Premier League. And yeah, no one it, it, really it's, it. it's the NFL, it really is now with the money. But that all started really with Abramovich coming in at Chelsea. So maybe the Qataris can be that for the French league with PSG. So it certainly seems like it's it's slowly building and it's slowly getting there. Um, one more thing I really wanted to pick up on was 
obviously Bordeaux got relegated. And I'm, I like Bordeaux and I've always thought of him as quite a big club. Um, and obviously it's the fine, it's the finances that seems to have done for them. What was, was that the old TV deal or is that the ownership, poor management? What caused that? It was a, a proper snowball effect and like the most vicious circle that you can find yourself in, I guess. Uh, it, it was a succession of, of three owners, one after the other, um, just doing the wrong thing for the club and, um, and you know, um, people in, in the know or and the fans of, of Bordeaux are aware of what happened and, and they are kind of like um, ruling the day where I think it was six or seven years ago now that King Street uh, tried to buy Bordeaux and then sold it to um, an American um, business conglomerate and then that conglomerate didn't really care about the club and started trying to change things without looking really at the football. And then slowly but surely, you've seen um, just just an accumulation of wrong choices, just a lack of um, a lack of investment into the club, a lack of investment into the youth, uh, le- letting young people, um, young players leave before before they could actually do something in Bordeaux. I mean, um, you know, to name just them two, Jules Koundé, uh, and Aurelien Chouamini were in Bordeaux four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and, and look at them now. So uh, it, it was just a lot of mismanagement, uh, and then the fans have tried to get rid of the owner six years ago. I've tried to get rid of the one who replaced him four years ago, and then wanted to get rid of the one who replaced him two years ago. Uh, and they did that the right way or the bad way, depending on how you see things, uh, always with the best interest in the club. Um, and unfortunately for them, last year, when, when Bordeaux was about to declare bankruptcy, uh, the one guy who, who raised his hand and kind of kind of deceived, I guess, the fans um, was Gerard Lopez, who used to be the owner of Lille. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, when you're a fan, you don't see things objectively because it's your club and you just want it to be saved. Uh, but when you have a guy like Gerard Lopez coming in, I feel like it's just not good news because we've seen now the damage that he's done both in Mouscron in Belgium, uh, in Portugal with um, his club, I can't remember the name now, um, and, and in Lille as well, where sure he won the league, but uh, he left the, the club with, with a mountain of depth that wasn't his because he works with a um, an investment fund uh, and he lets them take the fall when he's the one who, who makes the mistake. So he came in, took board over, made some weird moves, decided to uh, name a sporting director who used to be um, in the in the galaxy of Luis Campos, but unfortunately, uh, a guy who, instead of bringing the best player, brought the second best player, uh, and it didn't work out really well football-wise. And then there's been a lot of weird stories between fans and, and football players. When a club goes bad, everything goes bad. And so he went from fans accusing their own goalkeeper of racism halfway through the season to the goalkeeper answering in the middle of the game um, to fans trying to say that the owner Gerard Lopez was the right guy and like instead of rebelling against the owner which is very French like as soon as something goes wrong you go to the owner and tell him to get out of here they decided to side with the owner against the player and the owner sided with the fans against the player just a mess just something that is only a show of something is going to go wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, the players are on the field and if they're not supported, it's going to be hard for them um, to save themselves um, fr- from relegation. It didn't work out. Um, they still have they still have heaps of talent, like 
out of the starting 11 and the next three players on the bench, all of them would be a starter in any team that would play like 8th to 11th in Liga. Uh, it just didn't work this season for them and, and nothing around the club really helped. Sometimes it's good when you go back in Ligue 2, you can restart, you can refocus, you can look at your football. Um, they're having, probably actually right now as we speak, they are going in front of the um, financial uh, institution of France to see if they can actually stay in Ligue 2 uh, because they've lost a lot of money. Uh, and there's a chance that at that hearing, they are being told, actually, you have to start back from Division 4 or Division 5. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an important day for Bordeaux today. Um, and, you know, everybody has, is pretty sure that they're going to still be able to stay in Ligue 2. But if Gerard Lopez, at the last minute, like he did with Lille last year, decides that actually he doesn't want to be part of it, um, then they might be in, in serious trouble, Bordeaux. And that's a shame because it is a historical club. It is. And it's, don't they, was it 10 years ago that they were winning French leagues, that Laurent Blanc team? They bought Gorkroff back in Milan, mm-hmm. which was a huge statement of intent at that time when because French clubs weren't paying sort of what, eight figures for players in that era. And it just all looked like it was going so well. And it's, it's hopeful, eh? Hopefully they'll be okay and they can rebuild in the, in the second division, come back up. Uh, they, they have the, the crowd around them and, and they are the only one of the only club in the West that has such a big impact because the southwest of France is rugby more than football. Mm. Um, so yeah, you want you want a strong Bordeaux so you can have a strong French football, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I really appreciated it. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next in France. (laughs) Thank you. Indeed. No problem. Have a good one, Richard.